Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe Diverge. And I am Chris Atfield. Gabe, welcome back. Thank you, Chris. It is good to be back in our old Louisville, Kentucky after spending a weekend in Austin, Texas. Everything was bigger in Texas, Chris. The really barbecue, is, man. The, the barbecue is incredible. Uh, the hats, much bigger. Everyone wears big hats in Austin. So I, yeah, also you, big. You were in Austin, right? I've never been. To, yes. I've never been to like Eastern Texas. I spent time in Western Texas, but seriously, like the first time you go to Texas, I was was that your first time in Texas? Yes, yeah, okay. so it was my first. So, yeah, extended so period of time for sure. I was I was legitimately so shocked by everything. Really, is big. The signs are bigger. The parking lots are bigger. The spoons are bigger. Everything <laughs> to me was like larger. Um. So yeah, that is that is very true. But yeah, I'm glad you had a good time. You, you know, know what's big, big in Texas. Texas right now, Chris? <laughs> That's a great segue, but yeah. <laughs> the, the Chinese government. government. <laughs> the you Chinese government. I'm drinking, <laughs> I'm drinking tea for this episode because I just felt like alcohol and bourbon wasn't appropriate when we were going to get into such serious matters. So, um, yeah. So, so yes, yes the, the Chinese government. We, we had to talk about this story because we were talking before recording the podcast. This, to me, is probably the most interesting sports story we've had in a long time. It's spectacular. <laughs> it's just – it's multifaceted. It is complicated. It's uh, it's not one of those ones that's super – it's not easy to comprehend at all. So I think that's bad because it's hard to get a full grasp on it. But I think it's also good because then you don't just have two sides of people – just screaming at each other with like immediately different opinions. I mean, we, we broke down some of the angles that, that just on the surface, you have Yao Ming, who is a former Houston rocket. You have right. the Houston's owner, who is a big Trump supporter. You have the, yeah. the whole United States, Chinese relations. You have so much. I mean, you have the NFL versus the NBA. You have guys like Clay Travis and, and Marco Rubio and, yes. and Ted Cruz coming coming to Twitter and suddenly sounding like they're progressive. Um, there's so much here, man. There's so, so much, much here. Let's, Let's reset. reset. Let's reset. So, of course, we're talking about the controversy with Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey, one of the best GMs in the league, analytics guy, huge guy, who tweeted on Friday night uh, some, I believe, is an image with some words of support for protesters in Hong Kong. Uh, Chris and I, we <laughs> debated whether we wanted to try to explain this Hong Kong controversy, um, but there are so many people who are doing a much better job of doing that. So we'll toss a link in the show notes. You can probably even look up this New York Times Hong Kong explainer. It's got videos. It's got a timeline. It's very well explained. You won't get it so from ESPN, gonna, so you can get it from the New York Times. You won't get it from ESPN, so you can get it from the New York Times. So we're not going to delve super deep into geo-national politics and the foreign relations side of this. So don't worry. This is not going to be that. Uh, but we just wanted to talk a few minutes because it's just from a sports point of view and a media point of view. It's just a people point of view. You. it's so fascinating i mean my favorite overall like overarching theme is you have these guys that suddenly for so long when the nfl was dealing with their issues um whether it was colin kaepernick and you know it expanded to a lot of different things that were beyond colin kaepernick i think um, right. that we're talking about politics not belonging in sports and now 
you you have these same characters holding people very much accountable like Steve Kerr who didn't and I was one of those people who who did hold Steve Kerr accountable but for a different reason for not for not having you know something to say about this but you have these guys who didn't want politics in sports now suddenly want it because they can they can position the NBA as you know fraudulent and in in some ways they are correct the NBA has been put out to be fraudulent um, with, with some of these things. Yes, but, they've but, taken – yeah, go ahead. But the way that these people are doing it is pretty disingenuous. Yeah. So, so I mean, let's let's be clear. The NBA, at, at, you know, its initial reaction, I think Saturday evening is when it was, or Sunday, uh, to the original tweet was uh, very odd. It was um, – Total, it was almost total a, systems failure to me. Yeah, total system failure. It was their English uh, response was basically, oh, sorry if you got offended. But then their Chinese response through their Chinese outlets uh, via Twitter, which Twitter is blocked in China. So I'm not quite sure. I guess it was more for the Chinese government than the Chinese people uh, was, oh, we are so disappointed in Daryl Morey's comments. We apologize. It was very harsh. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was a half measure. <laughs> it was a half measure. It was, uh, and and they have since, you know, Adam Silver has since been a little more firm about, uh, I think the quote, you know, just reading a little bit from the statement here, he said uh, he understands that NBA fans of both the United States and China will have differing viewpoints on important issues. However, the NBA is not seeking to adjudicate these issues and will try to be understanding of all viewpoints. Um so a little, you know, they said they're also not going to police what, you know, personnel, what athletes have to say, which is, you know, sort of the original thing. But then you do have athletes like James Harden and who's standing right next to Russell Westbrook. And I mean, Steph Curry goes to China every year, at least once. And they are, you know, apologizing to the Chinese people because they buy sneakers you know we joke republicans buy sneakers too the chinese are people (laughs) the nba and their stars and the shoe manufacturers want to buy a lot of sneakers right they want them to buy that you we were talking beforehand these games that are that uh that have been they're not they've not quite been canceled but they've been the streaming uh, by the Chinese sports outlets has been canceled the, the, for these NBA preseason games. Yeah, the Houston Rockets games, the, the streaming right. I know is pretty much off at this point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but these preseason games that are happening in China at the end of this week, uh, they are the most watched sports event in China every year. They do at least a few games in China. And I don't know who is competing this year. I don't think it's the, the Rockets. I think the Rockets are staying in Japan. Um but it, that's fascinating to me because there's also kind of a little bit of a you know leverage that the NBA sort of has says hey like if you're not going to show this people are going to be pissed and I thought your whole thing is you don't want people to be pissed you know you already have people in Hong Kong pissed maybe you don't want people in Shanghai pissed yeah and it's a, it's a it's an amazing litmus test because the NBA is already they've already kind of brought themselves back to to square one with what they've said today so now what do you do going forward if you want to put your you know put your position your league as a place of progressive and where you know it's very player empowered and where players can give political viewpoints you know lebron james has Mm -hmm. pretty much a political take on a lot of things who hasn't said anything about this which i hasn't said uh, a damn thing i absolutely find very interesting um what do you do 
my gotta question, sell the is, gotta sell the LeBron 14s. Dog. My question for you is, I know Dead's been reported on this earlier today. Why do you think ESPN is is shying away from this and going so far as to saying that no ESPN personality should talk about this? Well, it does seem like ESPN at some point has a level of business with China. I, I you know, I, I I don't I don't quite know the 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 specifics, but you know. The ESPN technology is, to my understanding, is 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 being used hand in hand with some of the Chinese distributors. I think ESPN helped do some of those deals with the Chinese I know the, uh, uh, sports outlets. The Around the Rim, one of the shows that's on like during the day of like you know a big slate of NBA games with with Chauncey yeah. Billups and some other people. They've done a few lab broadcasts from China. Um, yeah, and they, the they, jump, they, the jump is doing yeah, one this maybe week. Maybe that's as well. what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. That's that's yeah, a- Rachel Nichols is like actually in China right now. <laughs> like I saw her on ESPN reporting live from Shanghai. There's a lot of disappointing um, things here for me though, man. Because like it, you you have Adam Siller who 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 just did not handle it well to begin with. He's he's done better things since then, but I don't know how he missed the mark so bad to begin with. You have that. Yeah. You have you guys like Steve Gerr, guys like LeBron who haven't said anything, and then you have you know ESPN, the the bastion of sports journalism, shying away from a story that you you and me agree with is one of the most important sports stories that has that has happened in the last few years and deserves to be told incorrectly. And there's Absolutely. there's not a lot of intelligent conversation on the internet about it because a lot of people are shying away from even speaking about it. And that's a, that's a shame for me. That's not good for journalism. And, and I hate that. No, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you on, on this one. You know, it, it is really interesting to me. I, I sort of joke with people. I don't know if I've done it on the podcast. I definitely do it on Twitter somewhat. I am one of the people who, I'm not annoyed by the way that basketball media and basketball Twitter treats the NBA, but I, I have always found it a little bit like too rosy. You know, the the hashtag this league thing. It seems like there's this there's a general love and appreciation for basketball, but it's almost like the sport can do no wrong. And so I, I kind I, of am I'm, fascinated. I'm one of those guys at times. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I mean, you. I'm fascinated by the response, you know, like – when I was listening to the uh, to the press box podcast on the Ringer Network, and and they had this good point that is like there has never been a commissioner of any sports league that has that is as universal universally revered by fans, players, the media as Adam Silver doesn't even get booed at draft days. Doesn't get booed at, by draft picks, which is that's uh, that's a red card offense for any. Like, come on, like that's that's the bare minimum we can do as fans to boo the commish at the draft. So he's the most popular person, and at some point there was going to have to be a reckoning for him. And these guys, you know, um, I'm I'm forgetting which of the the hosts mentioned it. They thought originally it would be the upcoming labor negotiations, that it does seem like the players are really going to push their agenda of player, you know, player empowerment. And that does not jive with the owners. So, but we're getting to that point early almost you know this is this is a real test for adam silver and a real test for this league that i think has gotten by with 
because of the level of play has risen so much, and I think it's so tailor-made for social media, it's gotten by on positive feelings, um, and you know they haven't had to really turn a real eye on negativity outside of the Sterling issue, which was pretty – I mean, there's no one who was on the side of Don right, Sterling, the Sterling, so it's not like – really was it <laughs> – it was it was here when Twitter was around, but it wasn't to the level that NBA Twitter is now. So it wasn't like a thing that, that was going to live on social media. Like this is going to live on social media. I mean, it's just Absolutely. it's just so funny how something like this happens because of a guy tweets and then quickly deletes it and then apologizes. And now you know the NBA is potentially facing. I can't even remember the exact numbers. I'm not sure if I put them in the show notes or not, but. The, they're no, no. they're facing yeah it's uh pretty, oh you did pretty, you did yeah here's the here's the quote Adam Silver says the economic impact of Rockets China situation is already clear and that there have already been fairly dramatic consequences if it impacts league wide revenue this season it would turn the impact of the 2020-2021 salary cap which is currently projected at 116 million 116 million um so yeah man just that's it, significant yeah, that's, <laughs> that's quite significant I mean and then you have like the Bastions, back to what you were talking about. You have the bastions of NBA Twitter trying to to still protect things like Matt Moore. I mean, who was who was kind of a tweet storming today about you know Steve Kerr doesn't talk about this, but what do you want us to do? Do you want him to burn him like burn him at the stake? And I, I don't think that's what we're asking for. But we're asking for a little accountability and, and not just to simply brush it off or be like that. He he gave a response that that was fine because it wasn't fine when you had. Yeah, he was like, oh, I need to I need to read more about the situation. My guy, this is the biggest story of your sport right now. And you've always got something to say. When can you, Give me something, something a little more than that. When you can like, weigh in on. on Donald Trump all the time, then you should have to, you should be able to weigh in on this. That's the way it you is. can have an opinion. It's OK. I think he, he just wanted to vet it and. Talk about a guy that probably you know they're probably relying on some Asian on, on some Chinese money to build that billion dollar stadium. Yeah. You know, like there's there's Chinese money behind some of those some of those startups that are paying for suites. You know, that's that's significant for them. That's something I'm sure he's aware of. Yeah, and- but I, it is going to be really interesting the long term you know implications of this and you know I I do it does sort of feel like they've reset in terms of. We're not going to tell the players what to say, what not to say. But I do think that guys like Harden, guys like LeBron, guys like Steph Curry have their business people telling them it is not in your best interest to speak out because you you, you want to sell sneakers. I'm sure I mean, Rich, Donovan Rich, Mitchell Rich, hasn't spoken out. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean I'm sure know, Rich Paul is saying the exact same thing to LeBron that there's no way you yeah, talk about this. You just don't no speak question. about it. And you know, you ha- you have this quote from our good friend Matt Jones uh, here. You know, <laughs> we we which had to get I our Matt Jones plug in here. It was it was we got to get our match. It was an interesting I, tweet for me. I, I think it's, it's a good observation. observation. He says what you are seeing with the NBA in China is something we are going to see a lot more often in the years to come. We are becoming dependent on Chinese money, loans, and businesses, but they don't have the same belief in free speech that we do. And that effect on American speech will be real. That's fascinating. And he's absolutely right. I give credit where credit's due. He's right on this. And um, it's, you know, you're seeing it in the ESPN issue because there's definitely Chinese money involved there. You're saying you're going to see it with these shoe companies who who want to keep selling shoes. You know, Adam Silver has said that China and India are the next areas where the NBA wants to dominate. That's, you know, until they get to a point where they can sell 
they can sell a game for $5 on streaming, you know, and that's like a popular thing to do. They sort of do that now, but not really. Um, but that's like China and India are the next areas where they could develop television rights and make more money instantly. I mean, do you think, do you think the NFL learns anything from this? Like as far as some of the markets they want to get into, I'm not sure you're, I, I, you know, I'm not as familiar with the with the cultural issues in a place like Europe. But getting into those markets, do they do they learn something, anything from this? I think they've they've sort of given up on international expansion. I mean, they've talked about London and Mexico, but I, I don't. London is definitely not feasible. Yeah. Still, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you. Um, I'm just curious going forward that what what the what the in you know kind of negativity long-lasting negativity from this from this is. yeah and unfortunately that's something we'll have to wait weeks and months for i'm definitely interested would encourage everyone to read you know uh to 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 follow up on 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 how this is going i i just got a i got a notification like an hour ago that jason gay and and bill simmons did a podcast and i'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to that first simmons thing in the morning on this one. that will you know i think you know say what you will about Bill Simmons, Bill Simmons, but I think, you know, he does a good job of co- of covering the NBA and it sounds like he's going to be able to talk more freely than some of the ESPN folks. Um, Which is, but by, yeah. by, by the way, that's, that's a, that's another angle that Bill Simmons is just setting back and saying, I can talk about this at the ringer and you guys can't. <laughs> and that kind of warms my heart. I won't lie. Yeah. And, and no, just to talk about Clay Travis, cause we wanted to, we wanted to talk about that. The Clay Travis kind of point of view is like, Oh, the, well, why is ESPN not covering this story? And come on, man. Like that's total, like you, you can't ask for ESPN to not cover politics alongside sports when it doesn't benefit you and then ask them to do so when it does. And that's a hundred percent what he's doing right now. A lot of ammo for our boy Clay <laughs> Travis today. And it's, it's a shame, but you know, I agree in purpose with what he said, you know, in principle, what he said that it should be covered and it's an important story. Uh, but it's a disingenuous argument. He he wants to just be against he's he's making his money being the ESPN contrarian. And that's how this works in the situation. But, Chris, we've talked about this for almost 20 minutes now. We should probably talk about Louisville sports. <laughs> so let's get the show going. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe DeVerge. Louisville is the greatest! And we are back, Chris. Uh, I missed some fun in Louisville. The first Louisville football Cardinals conference win. You also missed like a Big 12 game, apparently. Over 600. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, No, yeah. (laughs) In over 600 days. What did you make of the big victory against Boston College, Chris? It was a huge freaking party in the stadium. I can tell you that much. Um, <laughs> How was it? No, no, you gotta tell me. Gotta no, hear. man, it was great. Um, the, the the noon kickoffs are always fun because you you get you you know you get your mimosa, or you get your bloody mary or whatever, and you, <laughs> and you get a good feel going. And it was good vibes in the stadium, um, and it was just fun, man. Um, there's a lot of things that Louisville did really bad and really wrong in that game, <laughs> um, and there were a lot of things that Boston College did really bad and really wrong in that game, but. 
in a lot of ways, Louisville found a way to exercise their demons that, you know, they they kind of from from against Florida State, um, that they they, they they kind of screwed up down the stretch in that one. They get the bye week and they're facing the similar situation in the same game and they, they avoid those costly mistakes. They they tried they tried their damnness. They got real close to that edge, um, but but they <laughs> but they didn't cross it. Um, so that that was the thing for me is it's improvement, it's growth. Um, it's absolutely. How about how about Mikhail Cunningham? As as you tweeted, his eighty eight point eight QBR was the eleventh best in all of college football, ahead of even Ohio State's Justin Fields. Uh, it seems like he's the quarterback now. We can there's not sort a quarterback competition I mean, anymore. Like, in my I mean, head. shout out to Evan Conley, Evan Conley, who you know, you know, the stones of to 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 make that final drive. I mean, shout out to him. And I think Evan Conley is important on this team now because I, I think we can definitely see a situation in which Cunningham gets hurt again and maybe misses. Yeah, a he's get, if he's get, if he's getting banged up every game, yes. that's yeah, it's definitely something to consider. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, no, I, I, I don't think there's a quarterback competition anymore. I I think that's pretty apparent. I think that's something that we've been kind of on. I guess I don't want to say first, but we've we've been on that on this podcast over the last few weeks that we thought you definitely did. have been. I don't want to give myself that credit. You definitely have been. I've been interested in seeing Juwan pass again, but I will. I don't need I will to concede. see Juwan pass again. <laughs> I will. Con- I'm, well, I will concede after this. Yeah. That I definitely feel some of those throws. I I, I watched the first half and a little bit of the of the second half, um, but some of those throws he was making on third and a fourth down, fantastic, fantastic plays. It seems like he's able to go through he go through progressions um, more effectively, even on those heavy pressure downs. Yeah, I mean, uh, Satterfield has talked a decent amount about how the offense is just simpler for these guys and they don't have to think as much. And I think that's something that both of these quarterbacks have completely benefited from. It's pretty obvious to me that you have back-to-back games and and Mikel or Malik. It's funny that his name on Twitter is still Malik and Scott Satterfield still says he's going to call him Malik and his mom <laughs> says he's still going to call him Malik. But we'll call him Mikel. We'll, um, we'll call him Mikel for this, for this all intents and purposes. If that's what he wants to be called, that's what he's going to be called. Um, so back-to-back games with passes over 70 yards – um, yes. which is just, you know, something Th- that's, you, it's fun to see. <laughs> yeah. Something you didn't even think was relatively possible, but it's, it's like that the development of it's very simple analysis. The development of the quarter quarterback position has led to Lowell being able to use the most talented group on the field. It has led to us thinking that we can get to a scenario where they're going to Kentucky with five wins and a chance to get to a bowl game or, you know, magically they get the six wins before they get there. But it's, it's got us into the position we were at before Florida State where we can go back to look and see what can happen for them to get to a bowl game. I think getting to Kentucky and going to Kroger Field with that program that is floundering at the moment. Floundering. I mean, it, yes. it, it, it's rough times there. Getting to that game with a chance to go to a bowl game would be absolutely fantastic. Um, and that's that's really what I want at this point. <laughs> No, absolutely, and, and we can we can talk a little bit about the schedule coming down. I do want to take a moment to talk about what wasn't good, and that, of course, was the pass defense. Uh, a few stats: uh, the BC starter Anthony Brown, before he was injured, 
went six for seven. He had 193 yards and one touchdown. But then their backup comes in and is still able to get 111 yards and three touchdowns. That doesn't feel great, Chris, when you know you've got, you know, decent. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, incredible quarterback, uh, you know, solid quarterbacks and Bryce Perkins and and Jamie Newman still coming down the line from Wake Forest and um, and Syracuse. Uh, so it's it, it, it does seem like this is the issue. And this was my concern going into the season was the secondary and it does seem like they're still busting coverage. We can't cover a tight end to save our life, which is just beyond. It just destroys me. Yeah, I mean, and what 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 do you what do you need to see out of this pass? D? <laughs> so, like the, the 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 tight end thing to me is like a whole separate entire issue. I'm not sure you're going to fix that overnight. I think that's some type of like scheme thing that for whatever reason is. I don't know. Isn't it like guys blitzing though? That keeps, it seems like I keep seeing from Keith Wynn and even Satterfield's mentioned a few times is that guys blitz when they're not supposed to. Yeah. I mean, if that's what those guys are saying, that that's what I'll trust. But I, I do think that's, that's a separate issue is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I think a lot of some of the other plays that are happening, the busted coverages in general and that don't involve tight end or maybe involve, you know, runs that break off are simply just wearing the team down and it's happening in the, a lot more in the fourth quarter and it's just totally yes. to me it seems more and more like a death thing um because Louisville I mean for the, the the first half you know the passing defense largely the entire game was basically trash but right. the first half they limited AJ Dillon to I think it was 35 45 yards on the ground yes they were very committed to the run this right time. yeah and I'm not sure when he did the second half but I know it was a much better improvement from there I think that pers- perfectly illustrates kind of who they've been. They were the same way in the Notre Dame game. Um, they were the same way in the the Western Kentucky game. They were the uh, not the same way in the Florida State game. Um, that <laughs> yeah. that seems to be the one outliner where you know they just didn't get off the bus. But largely speaking, it seems like to me that has kind of been the the thing with this team, and that that kind of leads me into this whole like transfer rule. And I don't know if you want to get to that, or if you had some other thoughts on you know what I no just we said can there, we but. can talk about that. I think I think we we we've covered yeah. So Satterfield, it, it, you know, the transfer rule basically is that you can play up to four games before redshirting. Um, or redshirting to transfer. So the way Satterfield kind of explained, you know, it's he said, "quote It's neat where we have these bye weeks, where these bye weeks are out because it's at four, 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 meaning they kind of have four games in between. And there's been some scenarios where we've played some guys in four games, and now we're kind of holding them back, hoping to try and redshirt. And then there's a couple guys, you know, Dorian Jones is one who we would like to play in four games, and he hasn't played yet, but we want to get him into four games and still be able." to redshirt him so basically using a you know basically using this redshirt rule uniquely guys like dorian jones who's a freshman new to the team uh you know he wants to get him the game experience but then also be able to allow this to be a redshirt year which is it's pretty genius chris i mean i'm not gonna sit here and say that scott satterfield is some analytical genius but i'm not gonna say he isn't either you know that's pretty smart (laughs) that's pretty smart because to me like I think we've talked about it on this pod a little bit that in some sense the worry with this team may not be the quality of opponent they're playing, but if they lose three or four straight, you worry about mental fatigue, you know, right. th- them kind of just being 
soft personality and just in general i mean it you're still learning how to win and that just breaking them down but if you have some of these guys that you know you can play for four games at the end of the season that can kind of fill some of these roles where people get hurt or people get tired or they get banged up or or things like that there there may be a guy on the in the secondary in the defense that can come through and and alleviate some things to me that's exciting that was one of the more notable things probably all season for many press conference that that we've gotten i think i will read like i wanted to read just one of the the full quotes so people have a full understanding of kind of what we're saying so i'm I'm just gonna go here um no go ahead go ahead so quote it was asked about just red shirts in general quote that's a good question we talked about that really at the beginning of the season you and you really have to assess it as we go through it's kind of neat where these bye weeks are at because it's at four 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 and there's been some scenarios where we've played some guys in four games and now we're kind of holding them back and try to redshirt and there's some other guys you know dorian jones is one that we'd like to play in four games he hasn't played yet but we want to get him into four games but we still went to redshirting you know we are very cognizant of where these guys are so if they're not playing much how many games have they played in will they be available we would love to have them available at the end and some of these guys we're developing right now and while they're practicing is if they're playing second team guys on special teams. So when the time comes later in the season, we will be able to insert them and feel like we can get some good play out of them. And plus they get to play and get some experience for, you know, the next four years of next year. So, yeah, I mean, to, the, these are guys that I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, you know, I, I know what these guys are. They're doing. not going to be every game starters. Right. But they're guys that are that are getting snaps in practice that are going to mm-hmm. come in and they're going to you know maybe make a few plays. Maybe it's making a critical tackle that uh, the margins for this team are so thin, so it could be any type of play. I mean they they <laughs> they could be two and three right now. They could be four and one. Um, so any play that they could come in and possibly make could mean a bowl game. It could mean five wins. It could mean six wins. I mean you you just can't discount those things to me. No, no question. And, and it's that it is that kind of goes hand in hand with this idea that, you know, we're five games in and, you know, Louisville may still be, you know, they may still, they're, they're not four and one. They're, you know, they're two and you're three and two. But we can definitely be pleased with the, with, with, with the progress. You know, I, I was, we were talking before this podcast. Uh, these these tweets, you know, from Alex Kirshner, who works for um, Banner Society, SB Nation, said not enough people are talking about how Louisville is probably making a bowl. We can argue about that in a minute. Uh, a season after being one of the ugliest non-conference Rutgers or non-Kansas Power 5 teams in years. Scott Satterfield, Scott Satterfield is a wizard. Legitimately smart people thought it was going to take Louisville several years to even be respectful respectable and they've played five games and exceeded baseline competency in all of them do you have the silent so, do you have the silent mic now i just had to ask oh no <laughs> what do you mean? i know we've had some people ask about the clicks so i was wondering if i have the tried mice. <laughs> well i do not have the silent my mouse but I did, I did turn down my uh my input a little bit doing, a little behind the scenes for the guys you're doing a much better job than me so i just had to much less much fewer clicks uh for the squad <laughs> we've been hearing your cut your your input guys no, but, the, but the bowl game you. thing man i mean i think like i don't know if you agree with this or not but we've almost gotten to a point where 
regardless of what happens the rest of the season, I don't think you're going to see any real criticism of Scott Satterfield. And I'm almost sort of fine with that. Yeah. That's my point here. I think that Satterfield has earned a, a, an acceptable le- level of praise. Of course, you know, things could get really bad for the rest of the season. But assuming there isn't some match- massive drop-off, I think we can be pleased with the way that you know, things are being managed and, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to compare this team. It's fun to compare this team to Purdue that isn't doing great. Right. <laughs> and we tried very hard to get that coach up there and their defense isn't much better. Yeah, than man, it's, it's crazy how, um, how it's all worked out. It is crazy how the doors slide open and slide close. And right now I feel really good about Scott Southfield being, the head of this football team for the next few years. Yes, there's mistakes that need to be made. Yes, I was really frustrated at some. I, I, I still, I get it that I think there's some personnel issues in 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 the past defense and in the secondary. Um, I think you know I think they just don't have the talent to be to be quite honest. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like they have the level of skill and talent uh, to 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 be a truly excellent you know above average pasty. But I just People running wild and blown place. That's what I want to see improvement on in Pasty. I get it. I get the commitment to the run and some scheme things. I just, um, I would love to not have blown plays and 70 yard touchdowns back and forth. <laughs> it, would, it would be pretty fun. I mean, I will say that, and it's only about like a half yard, but the, 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 this Wake Forest team that's, that's coming up next week is actually giving up more yards per play than Louisville. So it, oh, wow. it's it's five point one to I think five point five five point four something like those lines. So while you may think it's been bad, and I I do think it's been pretty bad, um, it, it may not be the exception for the rest of the ACC. I think there's some other defenses that have been pretty similar to as bad. Florida State was another one of those defenses that has been pretty bad. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's worth yeah, looking at. But let's talk about Wake Forest because you've kind of tweeted, you've thrown the gauntlet. You think Louisville goes down to Winston Salem this weekend and gets the win, Chris? Yeah, man. I, I think these teams you've got to you got to defend your take. I think these teams are really, really similar, and I think that Malik Cunningham, or sorry, Mikael Cunningham, yeah, has, has, has him, show some respect. <laughs> has him, He's improved every week. Like it, completely agree. I mean, there, there's and he seems to he practicing already. So the, so the injury seems much less of an issue this week than last. You look at what Wake did against Boston College. Um, 440 total yards. They win by three. Boston College had 533 yards on them. So I just feel wow. I feel like that it's going to be another shootout, and I'll take my chances with Louisville in this game for just the way that that they have treaded versus Wake Forest. Wake Forest is undefeated, but they did not play well against Boston College. They did a lot of things that could have lost them that game. And I just feel like at some point those things will catch up to them. There was a few weeks ago, I can't remember who they were playing, but there was another, they, they were lucky to win that game. So, I think you're talking about North Carolina. Yeah, and, and North Carolina. So it's I, I really like, I mean, I've been high on Wake for a, a lot of the season. Um, and, and they've just underperformed 
and they've continued to underperform in a lot of these spots. You know, the the offense they run, um, very, very high octane, going to go fast, a lot of deception, um, don't really know where the ball is a lot of times. But I, I think we're going to get into a situation again where it's another shootout, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but Louisville has shown us back-to-back weeks, even against Florida State, that they can win those games. So if this is a situation where Cunningham is able to stay and play the entire game, and he's able to stay healthy, and it is a situation where they don't get off the bus and go down 21 to nothing, I think they win the game. I do. Um, and, and I mean, I, I, I really feel that way. No, that's interesting. I, 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 I do think you've made some astute, some astute remarks in regards to... Boston College had 252 to... rushing yards on them. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, the, it's very interesting, and, and I've been looking at the, uh, I've been looking at the uh, S and P rankings uh, that Bill Connolly from ESPN does. Uh, Louisville in sixty second place, just one positioned above our friends in Kentucky. Uh, Wake Forest is fifty first, so they're not that much higher, and I think they're the favorite in the picks. I don't think he's released the picks yet for this week. Um, but yeah, no, so I think that's I think it's really interesting, and I think you know Wake Forest is ranked nineteenth, yeah, which is wild given how they play. You know, I don't know. This is a very weird college football. Season it may just be that there's no one else that you can really put there. Just one of those things. Yeah, that there's no, and just you see the undefeatedness of them, but it does not seem like right. they are really deserving of that position. So I get where you're coming from. I'm a little concerned about. I want to see this team do it on the road before I pick them to do it on the yeah. road. You know, they couldn't do it with nobody watching them in Tallahassee. So I think that they're going to get it. You know, they're getting a seven thirty, uh, you know, prime time for Wake Forest, and I'm sure there'll be a decent amount of uh, black and gold up in there. Maybe Matt Colburn will find a way to find some eligibility and come play again. Um, <laughs> and light us up yeah. for the other time, but I do think it's interesting you're on board. I, I, you know, I'm not sure what the spread is at this point, but it, you know, it, I could be. It's floated between seven, six, five. I could be. I was going to say if it's between, if it's in that Vegas zone, I could be convinced that this is going to be a three point game in, in, in either direction, and uh, it wouldn't be a bad shot to take a Louisville for sure. Yeah, I mean, I just think you have you have two you have two data points to where mm-hmm. Louisville has shown they can absolutely make a lot of mistakes and not finish a game, or they can absolutely yeah. make a lot of mistakes and finish a game. And I think Boston College and Wake Forest, as far as offenses, and honestly as far as defenses, there's not as big as a gap as people think. You see the records, 5-0, and 3-2. and But you look at it statistically, I mean, I, I think Wake Forest is ranked like 90th overall in defense and 102, <laughs> and Boston College is ranked like 102. And, and the offenses are, are, are closer than people think. I don't think people realize that Boston College offense has been pretty good most of the season. I think that's been Yeah, a, a, I mean, a, they've a, got A.J. Dillon, yeah. who's, who's, who's yeah. you know, pretty solid. solid. He's going to play on Sundays for sure. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's definitely, you know. I just think the gap. Like, it's a good it, win. It was just good to win, man. No, it, it, it was. I just, I think Louisville's going to, the, the teams that is really going to struggle with are the teams that have the, the really good defenses. That's why, you know, Miami, even that's a game that I know some Louisville fans think that Louisville can go down and win. It's winnable, right? yeah. Right, but Miami has still very talented defense. Uh, Virginia, right. Virginia's much another, better defense than offense. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and Virginia's another one of those teams. 
And I think that's that's the teams in general, like very generally speaking, that I would give Louisville a less of a chance to win against. Because I, I think they're going to have to score pretty much in the 30s to win in a game. I, I don't think your defense is going to – you, you may you may hold a team to, to 27, 28, something like that, but I, I think you can pretty much bank it um, that, that, that a defense is going to give up about that. So, yeah. No, that makes sense. And, and uh, you know, you've been pretty good at picking games, so we'll wait for your official pick later on. Uh, before we move forward, do you feel like this is, this is going to be a six-win team? I think they're going to go to Kentucky with five wins. Um, so, so you think a win? You what do you think a win against? What against Wake and a win against Syracuse? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I could totally see them. Like this would be the totally the team that could you know win against Wake and lose a game that they're favored against, and then have another surprise win yeah. against someone else. It would totally yeah. be a thing that you could see them just winning a dumb game, and you're like, how the hell they win that game? And then they come in there. Like, maybe like Clemson. <laughs> no, I won't go that far. But it, basically, what I'm saying is like I, I, I think Wake is the most likely out of like Virginia and Miami for the reasons I just talked about. But I could totally right. – they just seem like the type of team that would totally win one of those games that you don't expect them to win. And then when they're like a you know six point favorite, drop that game. Um, so I'll say Syracuse and and Wake. That's that's what I'll say. I don't think they're going to win in NC State. I think that defense is kind of fits the mode to where they won't be able to put up enough points there. Um, but definitely makes sense. Yeah. But behind that, I would say that's that's the most likely behind Syracuse. I I think Syracuse is garbage. So yeah, yeah you know. I don't know. I I kind of agree with you that I think this this team kind of fits the recipe for a, getting a win they shouldn't, and then also losing one or two down the stretch that they should. Maybe one of those being Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I I think I agree with you. I think they're going to go to Kentucky with five wins, and you go, and maybe they lose that six game, but you know they don't get that sixth win. But it's hard for uh, us. To, I mean, Kentucky's in such a flux. I can't really call that game right now. It, it depends. I know some people think that that Sawyer Smith is pretty much just going to be hurt the rest of the season. And eventually they're just going to have to pull the plug on him because he's going to continue getting hurt. Maybe that, yeah. maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. If that happens in Kentucky starting limb boating, uh, limb boating against a Louisville team, that's, that's trying to go bowling. Uh, I'll like Louisville's chances in that game, but it'll we'll be see. very interesting to see how Kentucky does in the next few days or next few weeks, given their quarterback situation. That's for sure. Uh, but let's talk about basketball because, you know, we're recording this uh, Tuesday close to the stroke of midnight. It's almost Wednesday, and it is ACC Operation Basketball, which is the lamest name for a basketball event. a lot better for that. Uh, it, just in general, the whole kind of, you know, I get it. You know, football's what pays the bills, but someone tweeted out kind of the comparison and sets for the football preseason event and the basketball preseason event. Like, have some pride at ACC. Have some pride in your basketball. That is literally the best, you know, conference in the country. Right. Um, come on. A- anyway, but that's neither here nor there. So there was some media tidbits that came out. Chris Mack took Jordan Wara and um, CV Knock uh, up to up to the event in North Carolina. Seems like the biggest news out of it, Chris, was that David Johnson is progressing well in his injury. It seems like. It's so, there was two kind of explanations. One I saw was four weeks he'll be able to practice, and then sort of six weeks he'll be able to play is the hope. Right. 
So looking like mid-November, he'll be able to really get some minutes in, which is quicker than initially. We thought it could be the end of December before he's playing. So it looks like for all intents and purposes, he's doing better there. Not really the same update on Malik uh, Williams. Any thoughts on on, on DJ potentially coming back and being a factor? You're just getting back to that. So that kind of that timetable to where you can hope he is actually a factor going into conference play, or at least midway through, because you're going to get him acclimated. Um, I, I know that uh, you know Max; he's kind of said it about everyone at this point. It seems like, um, but Mac Mac talked about how well he was progressing in practice this summer. Um, so hopefully, you know, he can just get to that point and and hit back where he was and hit the ground running. The good thing is that you're you're going to get him into some practices before conference play, and I think that's the most important thing. No, absolutely, I I, I completely agree. It'll be interesting to see how it develops, and then um, you know, moving right along, I think the mo- more more interesting story is the comment about. You know, this being the number one Perry Hive podcast <laughs> in the city. Uh, Chris, you, you tweeted this out, Chris. Uh, on Darius Perry on the Packer and Durham show, when he's going to be our point guard, he's got to be better with the ball, and he's shown that in practice. And that also that Mac mentioned his leadership and attitude's complete 180 from where it was last season, which kind of continues what we've heard, the whispers about Perry. Been had a great summer, is now one of the leaders of this team, and – as we've talked about a hundred times, Chris, I think that the best version of this team includes Darius Perry playing significant minutes at point guard and being good at it. He's gonna he's gonna be starting point guard by the end of the season. Like I I just <laughs> I, I see I'm trying I'm trying really really hard to balance the fan perspective from the basketball perspective, but it's it's an internal struggle. I just think that things work so well with this team for having a guy like Darius that, I mean, the the guys on Packer Durham said it before I could, but he was maybe even for how like last year was for Darius, it was so up and down, but he was still maybe one of the best on ball defenders in the league um, in, in the ACC. And I just think this team works so well, having a guy at the front line of the defense that can do that because I'm, I'm not concerned at all about you know this team on offense. I think there's comp- plenty of scoring options. Darius can be a scoring option. If he's not, that's okay too. Um, the 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 defense is a whole other thing. So I think it's absolutely critical for him to be that energizer bunny on defense that we've had on other teams like Russ Smith, Preston Nose, things like that. And I think that's why I've almost forced myself into saying if he's not starting by the end of the season, this team is not where they want to be. So he's going to be starting by the end of the season because I'm a fan and I want to see that happen. Like, it's like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the leader, the, the leadership quotes, um, him actually acknowledging that Darius is going to play point guard. I don't know if he said that publicly. I don't think he has. Yeah, this was the, kind of the first acknowledgement of that. You, you mentioned that also but, on Twitter, and what, that is interesting. What do you think? Very now? interesting. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think I, I, I agree with you definitely to a degree. I, I can envision a scenario where Fresh Kimball is, uh, you know, you know, is the all-and-out point guard. You know, I want to see him play. I want to see him play against good opponents, which Louisville have plenty of opportunity to do so. Um, but the player I'm most excited to see play for Louisville uh, is Sam Williamson, just still, just because I think 
there's still a 5% chance he's a one and done guy. Yes. Like sincerely, I think there's a 5% chance of that. Um, number two is hands down Darius Perry. Yeah. And just, I, I think he's a guy who, you know, just, just to underline everything you said, if he comes in and he has the jump that Jordan war had last season, this is a final four team. I just, I just genuinely believe that. And I think that's completely possible with Darius and, and, and if he, if he's, you know, if he's having the level of summer that we're hearing. And I don't, I don't think he has to even do anything like totally remarkable. If that's going to happen, that's great. He just needs to be very strong with the ball and the yeah. offensive and, and take his chances when, when is necessary. Where, where I think Darius is going to shine, especially early on, is the defensive side. Like, I, yeah. I, I just, I think, I don't know. I think he works very well with this team. That you have, you have guys, you talked about Steve slimming down and looking really good. So maybe you've alleviated some of those issues of, I mean, we saw it a lot of Enoch getting beat on backdoor cuts or sometimes it was Malik Williams yeah. getting beat on the high pick and roll and backdoor cuts. You have a guy at the top of your offense that can kind of put pressure on, on the opposing point guard before those, those teams get in their motion. That throws a lot of that off to begin with. Um, so that's exciting. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to just talk a little about Slim. I said in here, Slim Enoch uh, with two M's. Yeah. I, I, it was good, man. You know, I, I noticed, I noticed it, it at, at Louisville Live and there was some talk about it. And you know, seeing just the the ton of pictures and media that they did, you really notice it up close and personal on some of that. He looks really good, yeah. and that was always my biggest annoyance about Louisville on defense is when Steve overextended uh, on rotations. If he can nip that in the behind, that is huge for this team, especially given early that they're going to be struggling without Malik Williams for a period yeah. of time. And that is going to be massive for the team to get some wins. So I'm very excited. He's probably the third player at this point. I'm excited to see just just to see what that new body can do for him and what kind of mismatches he can play up. He, you know, he did the three point contest. I don't think that's going to be a forte of his. He didn't do that great, um, but I do think he's going to be a rim runner and and and. and be a much more effective athletic threat. Yeah, and I mean, we'll see what what teams kind of scheme up to a, to attack Louisville if they've alleviated this issue. I do think the initial thing is going to be bring Stephen Enoch to the high post, make him move around, and see if those issues have been fixed. If it has, I'm interested to see where they go after that. Probably my imagine would be targeting Williamson and, and make him move around a little bit more as an individual defender. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's the, that's one of the kind of secondary question marks beyond point guard with this team is how much team defense has improved, and specifically Stephen Enoch. And with, with seeing him just look very slim down and a very healthy Stephen Enoch, that's exciting to see. Right. Louisville fans love talking about what what players look like. By the way, I mean if it was <laughs> if it was BJ Kingby and Jack, or if it was Aiden Aiden Gahan, I mean it, you, it's hard not to comment on what the dude looks like. He looks like freak, but even even Wayne Black. Like it, it's just, yeah, it, it, I was it, about to say, who could forget the Wayne Black year? Hashtag Fat Wayne, yeah. hashtag Stop Drinking the Milk Wayne. It's hilarious. One of my favorite uh, things. It is a Louisville. That's a very oh. Louisville fan thing. That was an astute observation. We wanted to close out the basketball segment by talking about, you know, sort of the rankings, some of these preseason previews that are coming out. Uh, I believe the ACC media poll and coaches poll um, and preseason selections are coming out tomorrow. So we didn't get to talk about that. So we wanted to talk about CBS, 
who released theirs last week, Chris. And it was kind of interesting. We kind of were talking about it right before, you know, we started recording. Uh, it, it, CBS has projected that uh, their prediction is Duke will win the ACC, mm-hmm. which is really funny because they have their preseason player of the year, Jordan Mora. Their preseason coach of the year is Chris Mack. And then their preseason freshman of the year isn't even a Duke player. It's Cole Anthony from UNC, which I definitely agree with that. He's going to be really and, good. So we're definitely kind of wondering um, if all of these players are from other teams, why is Duke number one? Yeah, and I think weird. Trey Jones coming back is a is is a great you know a great thing for them. Uh, I don't know. This quote says he's a top five defender in college basketball. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, the question is, will he grow into a reliable shooter? Which is my biggest question as well. Uh, what 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 was your kind of reaction? to this to 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 sort of the love I think in general it's kind of a good jumping on point the love that Louisville was getting Jordan Wara showing up in a lot of total you know you know uh, college basketball wide all-american lists and also player of the year lists and definitely preseason player of the year for the ACC in a lot of scenarios first off not even a Louisville thing but if a team where Kehi Clark is the second best option finishes in the top four of the ACC, I'm going to lose my mind. But it's probably <laughs> going to You're talking about our good friends. Virginia. Yeah. Virginia's going to figure out a way to win 20, 25 games. Yeah. I, it, it's, it, and, it, and, you know, they're getting picked in the top four, and there's absolutely, of course, there's no defending it. NC State, in my book, Markel Johnson is absolutely talented. Brett Braxton, Beverly, guys like that, I would absolutely pick them over in Virginia. But they're Virginia, so they're going to they're going to finish in the top four. It's just going to be the way of life. But it, I'm but, sure Diakite will be like everyone, yeah. <laughs> like just destroy of worlds. Yeah, then, then, then you're gonna, you're gonna have Jay Huff, who is absolutely going to be burying threes, and I'm just it, <laughs> whatever. We'll get to it. when We get to it. Um, but the the global love, man, it, it hasn't really. I haven't seen anyone slow it down. Um, not from a national scale. I mean, picking Louisville here as the two is kind of a slight, but to me it's like whatever. Duke, Louisville, North Carolina, I think they're all top 15 teams, probably top 10 teams. I'm a little bit more right. more unsure about Duke than I am North Carolina. I think North Carolina is going to be really good too. Um, I agree, yeah. But, yeah, man, it's just it, it brings us kind of to the point to where we don't have to talk about this team with kid gloves. Um, you know, there's they're obviously going to be – some early question marks is going to be some early losses that people are going to lose their mind over, but we actually get to analyze it and don't have to look at it from the scope of, you know, they're, they're going into a new system and, and things like that. Cause nobody else is the national, the, the national audience. And I think everyone locally here fully expects this team to be elite. Um, and then these things are just reaffirming that. Yeah, no question. It'll be really interesting to see where they end up on that poll. Uh, both the, you know, the, both preseason polls. I, I'm, I'm so, man, I can't, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm getting really excited and we're getting really excited about you know, how we're going to cover basketball season for definitely stay tuned for that. Any other notes before we move forward? I think I'm good. Want to talk just a little bit about a few minutes about the debate? We absolutely have to. Um, we absolutely have to. So we talk, we'll talk about this. Uh, debate that happened in Paducah between Matt Bevin and Andy Bashir. I just want to note, I'd, I'm starting to really see the yard sign game 
you know, pump up for Bashir. Seeing yeah. them everywhere. That's anecdotal, but they're showing up everywhere. Where, oh, I think I mentioned easy. it last week that there's like you know, 10, 10 in my neighborhood sprouted out overnight. Do you know where the Stop Bevan signs are coming from? Is that directly Andy Bashir or is that a Democrat like fundraiser thing or like I'm glad you mentioned that because those are the ones those are the ones I'm seeing. Yeah. Well, I love I love absolutely that this is and it totally should be by the way, but I love that this is basically Andy Bashir's just went full bore with don't vote for me because of what I can provide. Vote for me because I'm not Matt Bevan, which, you know, whatever. Yes. It, it, it's it's going to be that way. That's what it is. But his, yeah, his, I mean, his advertisement, advertisements have come out recently. The one with the teacher, um, you know, kind of just explaining that she's like, I don't like getting, you know, dumped on by Matt Bevan. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not what my governor should be doing. I even have seen several news stories about, like specifically people who said they are, you know, they voted Republican their whole life who are voting against Matt Bevin, mm-hmm. um, you know, just random people, which, you know, that's that's good free press for Bashir. But yeah, any thoughts specifically? I know you said you had a few specific notes about this. Well, this debate. I mean, Chris, what, what, what did what did you what did you think of it? I watched most of it, but not all. Having the debate at 2 p.m. Um, and then yeah, talking that was about quiet. caring about working class was hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> it was like a Paducah Chamber of Commerce no. sponsorship, I think, is no. what we had. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, the obviously the the high, like the biggest moment that got most of the notoriety from the whole deal was the Uber exchange, um, where yes. where Matt Bevan basically said that he was perfectly fine with with teachers taking Ubers, um, and that was teachers you te- being Uber yeah, drivers, teachers be being uber drivers to make ends meet um and i don't know that's one of those things where you know any any bashir just needs to continue to let matt bevan put put his foot in his mouth um and be be careful and not really say a whole lot because he doesn't have to i mean matt bevan i i did think like overall speaking that that matt bevan kind of won the debate but i thought for a lot of reasons he had to I, because it was about economic issues and it wasn't about social ones because of where it was at. Those were his people. He really needed to connect with those people, and he did. Um, and I, I thought if I was going to give an edge to anyone, it would have been him. But, I mean, it's not large either way. Yeah, it was a very kind of mild-mannered debate. We were kind of going back, you know, uh, talking talking to each other. Uh, while it was happening, I was almost surprised at how little they kind of went at each other, and then they kind of did so down the stretch. But I think the, as you mentioned, the Uber thing was the biggest thing that came out of it, and that definitely worked in Andy Bashir's favor. I yeah. didn't get any kind of vibe that there was something that Bevan can take out of this to use. It seems like the biggest talking point at this point for Bevan is the, uh, you know, is the uh, the settlement with Purdue Pharma. There's that, and which, then there's the the one-liners of Hillary and abortion. But yeah, yeah, and, and you know that's. That is what that is. But I think, you know, kind of substantively wise, the only real, you know, thing that I think Bashir doesn't have a great answer for is that Purdue Pharma thing, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think also that's sort of like a a non-issue because you can kind of go do the math for that. I get I get what the, you know, anyway, but there's there's some decent math explanation for it. I personally wasn't in favor of any kind of settlement, but that's neither here nor there. I did. I did see that that Andy Bashir, He talked about something, and it could have been, you know, 
not very big fact or anything else. I just hadn't heard him say it. He talked about how Kentucky had the third lowest per capita income in the country, and that 70, 70 counties in the state of Kentucky decrease or sorry increase in unemployment, um, which I thought was kind of notable because you know unemployment as a whole in the country is lower than it has been. Um, so that was that was interesting to me just to see him kind of throw some of those numbers out there. I hadn't, hadn't I didn't know that I guess. Yeah, those are good points, and you know, I, I don't think he's going to be putting out ads about you know, in, in, you know, employment statistics. But those are good facts, yeah. and um, it's definitely just a, you know, there was that kind of news that Bevin is shaking up his campaign. I don't know if we mentioned that last week, but it does seem like it does seem like we're kind of just coasting at this point towards the end. That it's it's, I, I, I there hasn't been real polling, you know, like true true polling. But every kind of poll seems to indicate that Bashir has the upper hand um, and we're kind of just coasting. So I do think it'll be interesting to see what you know these debates do. I think Matt Bethan is going to get you know, more and more kind of aggressive in them because yeah. it, it benefits him to do so. But I kind of think what works against Matt Bevan is that. I don't think there are a lot of swing voters in the state of Kentucky that are watching right. these debates and haven't made up their mind already. Um, and that might be a thing that's generally the case with governor's race. I'm not exactly sure, but it seems like because of how polarizing he has been as a person that it, it doesn't really matter what gets said in these debates beyond you know some type of catastrophe for one either candidate. Like, I, I, I don't think it matters too much. And I just wonder why Matt, why Matt Bevan thought being so polarizing was going to work to his advantage or where he thought he would have the upper hand. Because it wasn't like he stopped saying controversial things the closer we got to the election. He's still been saying some absurd things. Yes. Um, and he continues to do it. So I think it's just like he's he's trying to be – Kentucky's Trump. I think that's just kind of it. And he picked the wrong fight with teachers. <laughs> and it's going to bite him in the behind, I think. So it might be as simple as that. It might be as simple as that. I think there's another debate this week. Uh, I'm sure there, I'm pretty sure there is, or maybe two. So we'll see what happens in this next one. We'll definitely keep t- keeping tabs on this race for sure. I have to read these two sentences to you. Snoop Dogg okay. defends actions at Kansas on the Howard Stern show. When you pay for Snoop Dogg, you're going to get Snoop Dogg. I had the time of my life. College sports the great, is the fucking best. The greatest quote I've read in a statement in a long time was the AD Jeff Long saying, I apologize for not being aware of what acrobatic <laughs> dancers are. <laughs> Just, oh man! And shout out to all the UK fans making the U of L jokes during the like. Just. Dude, <laughs> do something else. Like, what? do something else. <laughs> Find another joke. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. Um, That's like, like, man, like you sound like, like you're not Dane Cook doing the same jokes from 2005. I don't like, even understand like here. hating the Kansas thing. I absolutely loved it. Like to to me, it's just so funny <laughs> that that Kansas is either in this place to where they don't care, or they're like, we're going to get screwed either way, whether we're. Com- or whether we, you know, do whatever so it doesn't matter. Let's just do this. It's great. It's it's so great. Hey, man. 
you know, Tim Sullivan says that, you know, we shouldn't be worried about, we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, be uncooperative, you know, that there's no benefit to that. So you know, maybe he disagrees. But I think with that, we'll, we'll, we'll shut this thing down, Chris. Uh, thank you for joining me. Thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, keep, keep, you know, reading the newsletter. We've had a lot of, a lot of great momentum there. We, you know, I think we appreciate everyone who's read it and, um, everyone has had very kind things to say. So thanks for doing that. And we'll have, you know, I think we're going to announce some things here soon. So stay tuned for that. Basketball season is coming and we have new interesting ideas and ways to share them that are coming soon. And with that, we'll let you go. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your week. Bye.